From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my fellow Earthlings, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. Well, we've got a number of stories to cover this week, and it's actually been a slow week when it comes to UFO and paranormal news. But we still have some big news about the U.S.-China relationship, some accusations there. And we ponder how dark space really is. And how did we end up with the calendar that we currently use? We'll dive into that too. But before we get into that news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show and help us grow. And we're still looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise. So give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-5700126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. Save it to your contacts because you never know when you may need it. Or you can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. Now, I promise I typically won't be political on this program, or very rarely anyway. I, I want this show to be escapism for you to some extent, and for me as well, to be completely honest. But this week marks a new four-year chapter in the history of the United States of America with the inauguration of Joe Biden. So congratulations to him and Kamala Harris, the first female vice president of this country's history. And while I am frankly not a fan of their political views, generally speaking, and the same goes for the last administration and the one before that and the one before that, and you get the idea, I congratulate them for their win and I hope they do well by the Constitution and aren't as divisive as their political allies, nor their opposition, and to do right by the American people above all else, though I certainly have my doubts. But prove me wrong, though. If you do good things, you'll have my support. If not, we'll be watching. And to my American listeners, while we may disagree fervently with one another right now, let's not let the media and corporate paid politicians divide us further than we have already become. We're letting the goofy news, and I use the word news lightly to say the least, but the goofy news of Fox, CNN, MSNBC, we're letting it pull us apart. And then there's the ever-trustworthy social media companies of Twitter, Facebook, Twitch and Amazon, TikTok, <coughs> CCP, <clears throat> of the world, all of them, that are doing the same. So all I'll say is be wary and question everything. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not allowed to question, because you should. It's imperative. And frankly, it's your duty as an American to question everything. So do it. Just do it. You know, 200 plus years ago, a bunch of fairly angry white men with different opinions on governance came together with a common goal of overthrowing their version of tyranny. And while we can argue about the wounds and the scars of our history here in the U.S., and there, there are many, that spark of freedom, no matter where it came from, should remain our common bond. Our system is not perfect, but it was built with what I believe was the hope and desire to be as perfect as possible because we as humans are flawed and imperfect, but most of us try to be our best. We try to do our best and be the best that we can be. I believe our system in the U.S. was built to stretch and encompass far beyond the original vision while defining and maintaining our core rights that are inalienable. And we must protect that. We must preserve that for ourselves for our children and for the generations that will stretch beyond our own horizon. 
So I urge you to talk to your neighbors, become a part of your community, have faith in good, let's focus on good, and unite around common themes that aren't necessarily political. Scientific advancements, sports, family, in whatever form that means to an individual, and opposing tyranny like our founders and many that have come after them. So on that note, I'm delighted to bring you this first story. And let's dive right in. Sky News and a whole host of other media outlets are reporting that the U.S. says China is committing genocide against Uyghur and other ethnic minorities. Mike Pompeo said earlier this week that we are witnessing the systematic attempt to destroy Uyghurs by the Chinese party state. The U.S. State Department has declared that China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity in a campaign targeting Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in Xinjiang. In a statement, outgoing Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said, I believe this genocide is ongoing and that we are witnessing the systematic attempt to destroy Uyghurs by the Chinese party state. The designation was made in the dying hours of the Trump administration, but the incoming Biden team had previously voiced its support for such a definition labeling the repression of Uyghurs genocide in August of last year. And although Joe Biden's nominee for Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has pledged to reverse a host of President Trump's foreign policy measures, he said that he agreed with Mr. Pompeo's determination. In his determination of crimes against humanity, Pompeo cited the arbitrary imprisonment or other severe deprivation of physical liberty of more than one million civilians, forced sterilization, torture of a large number of those arbitrarily detained, forced labor, and the imposition of draconian restrictions on freedom of religion or belief, freedom of expression, and freedom of movement. Now, Beijing is likely to react furiously at a press conference held last week in the Chinese capital. Communist Party official Xu Gixiang said, This utterly untethered fabrication of genocide regarding Xinjiang is the conspiracy of a century. Really, Xu? Well, why don't you let the world in and prove us wrong? Now, on a lighter note, have you ever wondered how dark space really is? Well, Sci-Fi Wire wrote this article entitled, Space is Obviously Dark, But How Dark Can It Get? Space, space. The, final the Final Frontier. frontier. Well, that was perhaps a little bit more Sean Connery than Patrick Stewart, and just plain awful in general. But the way Patrick Stewart says those words in the intro to Star Trek The Next Generation is almost ominous, making the journey of the Enterprise seem like a venture into an impenetrable void. That voice will always give you chills. Between the planets and stars that come out at night, space may look like a vast expanse of darkness, but it is still lit up by the background glow from stars and galaxies. This is the Cosmic Optical Background, otherwise known as COB, COB. As opposed to the Invisible Cosmic Microwave Background, or CMB, which are leftovers from the Big Bang, the COB tells us about all the galaxies that have formed from the moment after the Big Bang to 450,000 years later. These galaxies keep the universe from experiencing a total blackout. Faraway stars and galaxies could also give us an idea of how many galaxies possibly exist, something that may tell us how dark it really is out there. And because of new research using data from the New Horizons spacecraft, we found far fewer of these galaxies than were thought to exist. 
space may be darker than we thought. Unlike Hubble, which for all its far-out vision still orbits Earth, the New Horizons spacecraft is far away enough to really gauge the darkness of space. If it could observe Arakath, it can see things Hubble, which imaged distant stars above, can't even dream of. New Horizons data has suggested the darkest reaches of space are 10 times darker than the darkest areas Hubble could see. Instead of trillions of unseen galaxies, think in the realm of hundreds of billions. The Cosmic Optical Background, COB, is the average flux of visible light photons averaged over the volume of the observable universe, said astronomer Mark Postman, who co-authored a recent study published in the Astrophysical Journal. It reflects, at least in part, an integral over the cosmological history of star formation occurring in recognizable galaxies, proto-galaxies, and star clusters, as well as mass accretion by black holes. Now, even black holes keep the lights on, or at least their accretion disks, which are made mostly of glowing star stuff. At least they do, they keep their lights on. Photons, or particles of light, swirl around the accretion disk of a black hole until they finally make it past its event horizon. This is the point of no return. There is thought to be a true blackness beyond that danger zone because not even light can escape. And the cop can be difficult to observe. Hubble's vision is often distorted by light pollution around Earth. Either sunlight or artificial light can reflect off particles of space dust, mostly the remnants of smashed comets and asteroids, causing a glare that gets in the way of its observations. And telescopes obviously can't squint. For something orbiting our planet, zodiacal light, or the unearthly white light that comes from between planets and emerges about an hour before dawn or after sunset, is also a nuisance. New Horizons is not as distracted by that, though any telescope or spacecraft is going to have issues with measuring Cobb. If you really want to know how bright the Cobb is, you have to factor out all of these distractions. Doing that requires going further out from the inner solar system. This is where New Horizons is particularly useful because it is over 4 billion miles away where the sky can get much much darker. Getting an accurate read on Cobb also meant leaving out any light from galaxies thought to exist but are too faint for their existence to be confirmed. Light pollution from stars in our own galaxy was the most annoying issue for astronomers, who had to keep it from messing with the real brightness of the Cobb. It turned out that once all the other noise was cancelled out, the Cobb was actually pretty faint. So what actually is that light? Maybe galactic refuse? Maybe rogue stars? Maybe neither. When NASA's James Webb Space Telescope finally takes off, it could finally give more insight into the darkness of the final frontier. And have you ever wondered about our calendar, collectively? Not your personal calendar, but our calendar. When you hang it up on the wall, the names of the months, days in the months, etc. Well, New Hampshire Union brings us why our calendar is so strange year in and year out. It's 2021, and that means people across the United States and all over the world are looking at new calendars. But have you ever wondered how January got its name or why each year has 365 days? The word January comes from the Roman god of beginnings, Janus. The idea of a month comes from lunar phases, which tend to last about 29 or 30 days. Weeks are seven days because that was the closest the ancients could come to breaking up the moon cycle into four equal parts. 
We could thank the ancient Babylonians for that, as well as the names of the days of the week, which correspond to their seven sacred celestial bodies. And the notion of a year is based on how long it takes the Earth to complete an orbit around the sun. But technically, it takes the Earth 365.24219 days to complete its orbit around the sun each year, not exactly 365 days, and this inconvenient remainder has been throwing the calendar off for centuries. For instance, the 2021 calendar on your wall is short by 5.8 hours. The problem is mostly fixed by adding an extra day to the month of February every four years. These are called leap years, and the last one took place in 2020. One way to think about it is that the leap year system allows all those troublesome partial days to add up for three years and then groups them together to create a February 29th. This idea hails back to the time of Julius Caesar, leader of the Roman Empire in 46 BC. But even the leap year is slightly wrong. Adding a whole day every four years is actually a smidgen too much. And while we're talking about a difference of minutes, time has a way of adding up through the centuries. So much so, that by the time the 1570s rolled around, the calendar Caesar had instituted had slipped off course by about 10 days. This was concerning to Pope Gregory XIII, who wanted to make sure that Catholics celebrated sacred holidays on the proper days, so he created a commission to find a way to fix time. Of course, time is not easily fixed, but after five years of tinkering, Pope Gregory's commission recommended deleting those 10 extra days from the calendar. Then, to keep everything on track for the future, they decided that leap years would get skipped on centennial years that are not divisible by 400. In other words, there would be a leap year in the year 2000, but not in 1900, and so on confusing, right? Well, no wonder it took the commission five years to figure it out. This is why the current calendar system is known as the Gregorian calendar, and it still isn't 100% accurate. In fact, by the year 4909, our calendar will be off by a whole day. But that's a problem for your great, 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 great grandkids to solve. And I suppose if we've left Earth by then, Maybe it won't matter anymore. And from Milwaukee Magazine, stories of strange and unusual UFO sightings in Wisconsin. Tucked away in the tangles of the 5,000 plus page government stimulus bill rests a mandate for the Pentagon to release their intelligence on UFO activity in the US. Wisconsin has a long history of UFO sightings and odd occurrences. With the Pentagon set to disclose what it knows about unidentified flying objects by July, we figured now was a good time to go over some sightings here in our home state, from peculiar lights zigzagging across the sky to farmers claiming to have eaten alien pancakes. Wisconsin native Chad Lewis is a paranormal researcher with a degree in psychology and is author of several books, including The Wisconsin Guide to Mysterious Creatures. He once interviewed a couple from rural Bloomer who believed they had encountered aliens. Well, late one night, the husband and wife were asleep when the wife got up to use the bathroom. While walking down the hall, she noticed a strange light out through the window. Looking closer, she saw the light was hovering in the forest behind her house. The light crept closer. As it neared the window, she saw the light was coming from a craft about the size of a small house. Overcome with confusion, she ran to lock the door, but before she got there, the lights began to flash. 
According to Lewis, she felt like she was too late because they were already here. Her door swung open on its own and fog rolled through the entryway. Through the fog, she saw a hand reach out to grab her, and then everything went dark. The next thing she knew, she was in her bathroom watching the strange light moving away and back into the woods. The next day, the couple found a burn mark in the backyard. After undergoing hypnosis, she recalled that she was taken by aliens. Of course, her story has not been confirmed. More experiences like this one are reported all over Wisconsin. The incidents can be found on the National UFO Reporting Center website, which collects unverified reports. 2020 had several such sightings, which we remind you, have not been investigated. On August 17th, in rural Superior, a woman and her husband saw a light moving across the sky in a zigzag pattern and then disappear into nothing. They saw this several times over the course of an evening, but did not get a video or photograph of the events. A few days earlier, on August 4th, in Madison, a person noticed a large triangle object above the Capitol building at about 3.30 a.m. Many smaller objects were ejected from the triangle and moved quickly toward the horizon. The main object moved upwards, leaving the atmosphere just before the break of dawn. The next night, at the same time, the object appeared at a higher altitude and remained there until sunrise when it disappeared once more. There are no other reports of an object appearing above the Madison Capitol. In Racine, on October 7th, someone reported several silver disc-shaped objects hovering over Lake Michigan. They formed a V-shape as they moved, and the lead object glowed red and the others were yellow. When they left, they did not move out of sight, but just simply vanished. There were no other reports confirming this sighting. Now, back in the 60s, the reported sightings were often more detailed and fantastical. Lewis cites several astounding reports. For instance, Joe Simonton, a chicken farmer in Eagle River, claimed he traded water for alien pancakes in 1961. I mean, who wouldn't, right? That's a pretty good deal. According to his story, three aliens landed in a flying saucer on his property. A door that he said looked like the hood of a car opened up on the side of the craft. The aliens exited the craft and, without verbal communication, gave Simonton a jug. He filled up their jug, and they handed him a stack of discs they were grilling inside the craft. Simonton said they were the worst-tasting pancakes he had ever eaten. The Air Force investigated the event and concluded that Simonton believed his story was true, but they could not prove the events had actually occurred. Well, Simonton had kept the pancakes, and so the Air Force sent the pancakes to the Food and Drug Laboratory to be analyzed. The, the pancakes were found to have been made of starch, buckwheat, soybeans, wheat bran, and hydrogenated fat, all of which are accessible on Earth. The case was declared unexplained by the Air Force. In the winter of 1974, in Frederick, a fog covered the ground as William Bosack drove home from a meeting. While driving, he noticed something on the side of the road. Slowing down, he saw an 8 to 10 foot tall humanoid standing inside a transparent bullet-shaped container. The creature was hairy, with ears that stuck notably out of its head. Bozak naturally sped away, overcome with fear. When questioned later, he expressed remorse at leaving the mystery behind and wished that he had stopped to show that he was friendly. And then there's Elwood, which has become known as the UFO capital of Wisconsin, in part stemming from a 1976 UFO sighting by police officer George Wheeler. Wheeler was on duty when he spotted an orange glow near the quarry at Turtle Hill. 
He assumed it was a fire and drove over to check it out, but when he arrived, he saw a ship overhead, which he described as a silver and larger than a two-story house with a, an orange beam emitting from the top. My God, it's one of those UFOs again, he said over the radio. There was a loud whooshing sound and a ray shot out of the UFO and struck his cruiser. The car's spark plugs were blown out and the lights stopped working. The story's veracity has never been confirmed, but the interest in that sighting and others has continued in Elwood as the village has celebrated a UFO Days Festival every July since 1978. Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell. You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. And remember to please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show and help us grow, even if it's just a little bit. And until next time... Keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe, we are not alone. For the Parachronical Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawk. We are-